Welcome to New Mercies, a podcast by Mercy Ships, where we'll take you behind the scenes and on board our incredible hospital ships that are transforming lives all over the world. We invite you to join us each week to be inspired and encouraged by stories of life-changing hope and healing. I'm your host, Rayanne Newquist, and this is New Mercies. Rhea Bose has one of the most challenging and most interesting jobs with Mercy Ships. Rhea serves as our Director of Patient Selection, which means she gets to work with the local health officials as well as Mercy Ships nurses and doctors to identify the patients that we can best help and offer free, life-changing surgery. Rhea is here to tell us all about the process of identifying patients and the incredible people she gets to meet. Here is my interview with Rhea Bose. Ria, welcome to New Mercies. I am thrilled to have you on the podcast today because really, I feel like you have one of the most interesting, but also one of the most challenging jobs with Mercy Ships. So I'm thrilled that you're going to sit down and, and chat with us today about that, kind of give us all an insight into what you do. So as we start, why don't you go ahead and tell us what exactly you do with Mercy Ships? Thank you, Rianne. My role with Immersive Ships is to be the director of patient selection, what means that I'm responsible for identifying the patients that we can help on board the ship with surgery and at least do the, the pre-selection uh, part of that, working together with the host nations in identifying strategic locations where we can find our patients and also work on safe transportation for our patients that live far away from the ship to bring them safely there for consultation and surgery. You know, a lot of people ask, how do you find these patients? How do we gather these people that are in need and bring them to the ship? And so I feel like this is the perfect opportunity to answer that long question. How do you select patients? Where do you go? How do you find them? What's the communication to let them know we're here? How, how does the whole process work? It all starts with good teamwork, building relationships and working on our partnership with the Ministry of Health in the host nations that we serve. I'm not doing the work by myself. I work together with, with the team that we have. We have two uh, teams focusing on uh, the specific countries we serve with both of our vessels. And then we have a um, a clinical manager and an administrative assistant and we support from afar or sometimes uh, nearby um, mm. both these teams executing patient selection in the countries. We start uh, working through assessment together with the Ministry of Health and what we try to do is to understand how uh, surgery is done in country, how the surgical provision is um, mm. And where are there gaps, specific geographical locations, specific uh, surgical specialties that Mercy Ships can offer. And from there, we start building plans, both internally in Mercy Ships in the form of a surgical schedule and determining what kind of surgical specialties we will offer and for how long and where we place them in our outreach. Um, but also with the Ministry of Health, what are geographical locations they would like us to go to to identify patients, uh, but also what are the mm. surgical specialties that they would like us uh, to offer to come alongside. We offer uh, a process that is uh, based on basically kind of three phases. The first phase is based on registration of patients 
using um, an application on a smartphone and send local registrars into the country to identify patients. Mm. We do at the same time community engagement. And so we want to have conversation with key community players and create Mm. awareness within the community as well as working with posters and radio announcements. From that registration, we do a live review with a team of reviewers, what means that there's nurses reviewing these patients that are being seen in the field in real time. So a patient can be registered in Sierra Leone at 11 o'clock and at five minutes past 11, the patient will be reviewed either in Australia, in Europe or in the States. And a decision will be made if the patient can come to the field consultation. Well, that's kind of the second phase of, of the process. It's where our team goes out in the country So we come closer to the patient's home, the place where they were registered initially. And Mm. that's where we um, will see the patient and talk to them about their problem, their medical problem, and see if it's potentially something that Mercy Ships can help. Um, We'll also do some education and explaining what it means to come to Mercy Ships to receive another free consultation and hopefully uh, surgery. Um, And we will explain also about uh, just transportation. We know that's one of the barriers for people to access surgical care, to access medical care. And so we try to take that out as Mercy Ships by offering that free transportation from their location um, far away, sometimes from the ship. It can be four or five, six hours. It can be three, four days sometimes, depending on how large and how remote um, some of these patients live and what country we serve. Wow. And after the field consultation, patients uh, that are invited to come to the ship will um, come to the where uh, the port, to the location where the ship is docked. And that's where the preoperative team does take over the care for the patients. And they will see patients like literally nearly every day of the week. And <laughs> uh, what they do is welcome them again, just clarify their stories and the what they have what we don't have in the field is that uh, they can benefit from the ct scanner on board the ship laboratory services physiotherapy team to do assessments but the most important thing are surgeons that come to the ship to Mm. volunteer for shorter or longer periods of time and they are in the end the decision makers on surgery what is definitely not easy, especially as some of our patients right. present with very complex problems, have diseases in a very advanced stage and um, been neglected for for many, many years. So wow. the final decision is up to the surgeons and to also come up with a creative surgical plan because some of our patients really need large yeah, reconstructions of their face mm-hmm. or arms or legs. And so once that's being done on the consultation day, uh, it's when patients go through the admission process to be admitted to the hospital and receive surgery the day later. And um, wow, yeah, that's really where the ship is taking over. Yeah, it's it's really a complex process. And I love that you mention really the partnership with the host nation and the Ministry of Health there. I think that's important for everyone to know and understand is that we work alongside our host nations. Um, It's not just we come in and impose our system upon them, if you will, but there's a lot of collaboration, a lot of partnership, because there is a lot of work that happens ahead of time 
you know, I mean, at least a year's worth of work that happens before the ship arrives. Now, you mentioned in these different phases that that one phase is maybe the second phase is when some of the nurses go out into these remote locations and see the patients. I know you've been a part of those teams that have gone out all over the, you know, African continent, really. And you're in these very remote villages. Tell us what that's like. What it, What is it like to, to be in some of these, you know, really underdeveloped remote locations? And what is the environment like when you enter that place and the patients come to be seen again? It's special. I think that's my first word that comes to mind. And I think um, I'm always very thankful for um, that it's possible for us to go there, that on the mercy ship side, we we have the financial resources, we have the logistical resources to do that. I think it makes us a different organization, especially at the large scale that, uh, that we are able to do it. But I also think it's special because of how we're being welcomed again by mm. our partner, uh, partners in the Ministry of Health or through the mayor, um, other like key people in the community. And just that welcome is very special, uh, how it's made possible for us to have a location to see our patients. Um, sometimes the, the clinics, the local hospitals um, that we're going to, they're quite small and yeah, they really make it possible for us to, to be there for a day or for two days. Sometimes also more in the past, we've used other type of buildings within the community and just how people come together to make it possible and how they all really feel feel part of the mission. Um, our patient selection team grows so much in a day like that. It's It's the team that we come with, that we travel with, what's often maybe 10 people, maybe... 12 people maximum. Um, then we have our local translators that are from the communities where we go. Uh, but we also have all the people that make it logistically possible in the locations mm. um, where we are for that day. And all together, we make that team uh, together with all the patients and caregivers that are showing up. And I think just that sense of community, that sense of, of, of being a family um, is very special. And um, we often lack the language skills. Um, yeah. I always encourage the team to learn the local greetings for the day or the, yeah. the five or ten that we will encounter a lot. But that's often where it stops. Um, but a smile, just our attitudes and how we treat each other and the way how we pass by the waiting area where our patients are waiting, it all it all speaks volumes to people and especially our patients are often waiting for quite a few hours. They're always yeah. early and they observe each other. Um, yeah, they're excited and they also learn so much during that time. They observe each other and sometimes encounter people with similar problems mm. and they've never seen someone else in their lives with such a large facial tumor or with such significant burn contractures or both legs. And they also observe when we say um, no conversations, when we do no conversations with patients. And yeah, it's, mm. it's very precious to also learn um, from our patients and what they give back and what they observe and what they see. Yeah, I'm sure it's like, as you mentioned, one of the first moments that these people realize I'm not alone. There are other people that have similar conditions as I do, even though I've never seen them before. And I would think that there's almost this instant bonding that happens amongst 
the the people that are there to receive care. Now, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that when word spreads, you know, that there are going to be some nurses coming. Obviously, the people who have already, uh, you know, applied or been in contact will will show up. But I would imagine that other people would show up as well. Is that the case? Do you kind of get flooded with a bunch of people that you didn't initially expect? I think uh, that's what we were a bit afraid of in at the beginning when we started doing patient selection in a different way, um, putting in the registration uh, phase as an extra phase. But I think it's been working really well as in at the registration, patients uh, receive an appointment card. Uh, they know it's a unique card. They cannot mm. like copy it or do anything special with it. And it's very precious to them because they want to yeah. have an answer to their to their um, medical problem, to their surgical problem. And so what we have really seen is that people really will hold on to these cards, keep it and mm. uh, take the information that we share with them serious, as in like, don't spread this word because we want to focus on you. Uh, during this oh, day sure. if instead of you and the hundred people we're planning to meet if there's going to be two or three or four hundred people showing up that will give us less time to focus on your problems and we really mm. are there for you on that day so our registrars uh, what are all people from the nation that we serve at that time really are doing a fantastic job um, it's one of the things we focus on during the training yeah. that we do uh, they have a week of training before we send them out into the communities and um, I've seen in each country again and again that they do such an amazing job actually with so little training and thankfully mm. I would say maybe we see five ten additional patients um, I think what we see happening when we see additional patients it are often family members or siblings and all of a sudden maybe one patient has registered with a problem and there's two or three siblings with the with the same problem and so mm -hmm. of course you look at them and we treat them like everybody else but um, yeah the resources are focused on a specific number of patients that we hope to encounter that day so yeah I'm thankful that the system is working and yeah. uh, we're not too much flooded and that's also has been really the idea for people that know Mercy Ships for many many years and have seen the big um, selection events um, that mm -hmm. we used to do um, yeah. It was just harder to really focus and spend that time uh, with the people that we can actually help, uh, with the people that we bring to the ship. And uh, shifting it uh, has really allowed us to have just a bit longer conversations, do a little bit more education, and also in that way just build trust, build relationship. What we hope, especially in the very remote communities, um, will help us for people to to come, to take that step, um, that step of faith to go to the ship like hours and days away for, from where they live. Hmm. You know, I think it's so exciting to hear how the organization has evolved and grown and pivoted in a lot of ways, and especially in the area of patient selection. Because as you mentioned, you know, people who've known Mercy Ships for years or have seen, you know, the pictures or the videos of the long lines of thousands of people that come, it's changed over the years and has become more specific, more, as you mentioned, intentional with getting to 
to tell these patients, we want to focus on you and give you the most time that we can because we can help you. So I, I appreciate that so much because I'm sure even then you still probably encounter people that you have to say no to, um, desperate people who are in need and you encounter them and, you know, maybe with more um, investigation and, and more, you know, screening and testing and so forth, you find that Mercy Ships is unable to treat their specific case. What is that like when you have to tell patients no? I think part of the answer is in what you just shared. It's a, it's a no for Mercy Ships. And I think that's a very important mm-hmm. thing to to remember. It can feel very heavy. And especially when you work in a setting with with very little resources and yeah most likely a setting where you think oh this patient is never going to have access to surgery or the appropriate medical treatment but at the same time I think I'm thankful to work within mercy ships with Jesus and Mm -hmm. that's where our hope is in and I think that's very important to know that our no is is mercy ships saying no we cannot do your surgery and that mainly is because we want to do safe surgery. We have yeah. surgeons that are specialized in certain areas. We have nurses and as an organization, a specific and unique surgical scope of practice. And that's yeah. where we're good in. And that's where we uh, can provide safe surgery and care in and follow up care. And so it's important to know that that's why, why we say no. And it's also mm. important just to know that, that Jesus isn't saying no. It also doesn't mean that other organizations will continue to say no. It Hmm. also doesn't mean that there's maybe at some point uh, down the line hope for this patient in the nation as as there's a growing pool of surgeons, as there's uh, more options for treatment in the country, maybe even more options for financial support. I think it might sound slightly idealistic, but I think it's important to really keep thinking hopeful and I have had the privilege of meeting so many passionate surgeons, nurses, other healthcare providers in in the nations that we serve. And Mm. that really fills my heart with hope, even though I'm walking sometimes through facilities that I would be quite nervous about uh, having to receive healthcare there or uh, leaving a family member there. Uh, but I, I am hopeful because of the people that I meet, both in yeah. um, uh, kind of the government settings, but also in the hospitals, in, in in small clinics, but also our registrars that are not always having a medical background. They're, they're passionate about helping their neighbors, helping their family members, helping their communities. So um, hmm. I think that's what is what it makes it less heavy and Especially just also the power of prayer in that I think uh, when there is the opportunity with patients and they're open to prayer, like we can pray together. And um, I think that also makes people leave in a different way from our uh, selection sites. It's still sad and it's still heavy and it very Mm. much depends on the situation, kind of what what that hope would look like in, in terms of medical treatment or follow-up there in the coming weeks, months, years. But I think just shining that little bit of light and bringing that love that, that we, we can offer through Jesus is, I think, yeah. 
actually the most powerful thing we can bring to both our surgical patients and our non-surgical patients. And that's the bit that is lasting also. And I think also like it's important, like God can do anything. So there can be an opportunity for surgery a day later, but there might never be an opportunity for surgery, but, but God is still with them. And I think even like they might already know that and they might just need a bit of encouragement, um, but maybe we're also planting a little seed in someone and they might look different at at themselves after, after they have encountered mercy ships. And yeah, hopefully we can leave a little bit of love, a little bit of light and yeah, some hope with, with every person that we encounter when we're out on the road and working on these days. Absolutely. I know our very brief time on board, my husband got to go out with one of the patient selection teams to help with some security. And he will continue to say that was his absolute highlight of our whole Mercy Ships experience. And mostly because he said that the nurses that saw these patients impacted my husband's life. Because he said these nurses took time with every single person, even if it was someone they couldn't help, and looked them in the eye, told them they mattered, extended that hope that you keep talking about. And he said it, it just it impacted him to witness that. And I think that is what is so beautiful. It's not a no to life. <laughs> it's just a no from mercy ships. We can't do this, but we serve a God who is so much bigger than what we are ever able to do. And he is able. There's other avenues, but even just to receive for a lot of these people to receive the love, the care, the touch, you know, looking them in the eye and telling them they matter. I mean, they might walk away a completely changed person without surgery, you know? So extraordinary team that you have and that you work with. You're not just blessing and impacting patients, but you're impacting the communities around that watch the way you guys serve and work. And it's it's lovely. Rhea, why don't you tell us, we'll kind of jump backward here a little bit. Tell us where you're from and how you heard about Mercy Ships and why did you ever choose to come and volunteer with Mercy Ships? I mainly wonder what has happened in the last 10 years, but um, yeah, yeah, I did see Mercy Ships through advertisement. Um, I think uh, Mercy Ships was trying to, yeah, just kind of get a little bit more known in the Netherlands. And um, I joined a a weekend uh, that was offered uh, with Mercy Ships just to get to know the organization here a little bit Mm -hmm. more. And um, I've done a couple uh, weekends with um, all kinds of mission organizations because I very clearly knew like that that's what I would like to do and kind of like had chosen my path um, yeah, mm-hmm. towards that and also really felt like, yeah, that just was directed. Um, yeah, just came from God. And yeah, during that weekend, it was just... Um, yeah, different. And I think one of the things that's very much attracted me to Mercy Ships is that I finally found an organization where I could serve as an uh, ICU nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, many organizations, um, that was not the case that I um, engaged with at that time. So there was very much a, a plus. And yeah, just through uh, talking uh, with people during the weekend and praying, um, 
yeah, I really clearly felt that it was also more than just short term. So at the start, I just, yes, yeah, signed up for two years. I even want to say two and a half years. I cannot even remember. But yeah, I'd never been to the ship. Um, I had been uh, to Uganda one time before and I'd done some work in Ukraine, but mm. never to any of the nations that Mercy Ships had served in so far. So I think I had my biggest culture shock actually in Texas uh, when I joined the onboarding <laughs> program. So yeah, that's a whole other story, but no, it was definitely a good time, but yeah, a bit of an unexpected culture shock, I would say. And then I came to the ship um, and yeah, I, I really love just, yeah, building relationships with people and especially just mm. with our patients. I wanted to know, yeah, more where where were they coming from? Um, just how does their life look like? And I think I often yeah. kind of exhausted our translators because they were like, okay, is it enough now? <laughs> uh, but I really did love to to talk to the patients. Uh, I worked in the maxial facial ward on board the ship, D ward, uh, um, and yeah, it was really a good time. Really, yeah, very inspiring environment to work in. I also knew that I wanted to take on more work and I think I was just already uh, like I don't know kind of preparing for what was coming um, mm. yeah I had the opportunity to start working more with the patients pre-surgery um, so we joined the team uh, in basically the pre-operative clinic uh, learn more about where the patients yeah. were coming from uh, could ask them a more, few more questions and the translators <laughs> were used to it a little bit more. And yeah, I had the opportunity to to switch teams. And yeah, I think just really the right thing to do. It felt just good wow. to make another like step uh, into the unknown. It was very much unknown, like coming from a hospital in the Netherlands where patients come in through emergency services or they come in themselves being referred uh, for their um, family doctor. This time you go out into the field and there is a huge amount of patients waiting and you yeah. kind of have to make decisions on uh, who can come, who also fits with this surgical scope of practice that we have. Right. Um, so I've learned a lot and I continue to learn every day. And yeah, I think it's the, the best job basically that there is within Mercy Ships. I know many people see it as a very tough job and it's definitely hard work it's definitely complex it's definitely always moving around pieces of mm. the puzzle and not even sure if you're working on one puzzle or 10 different puzzles at the same time right. but it's it's a, a very unique uh, and special to position to both be able to engage with the ships that we have and all the services that we're able to offer with so many amazing volunteers uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, just have the best of engaging with very smart um, healthcare professionals and policymakers in the countries and passionate people on the ground there that that want to help, want to serve, and want to, yeah, benefit from from what Mercy Ships can offer. So I feel like it's always kind of I've kind of described it as a a bridge function. Like mm -hmm. having one food in country, one food on the ship, and it just exposes you to um, a whole um, 
complex but beautiful kind of world that is out there, but also, yeah, um, yeah is available within Mercy Ships. Oh, it's awesome. Obviously, you're in the right position because you can just tell in the way that you're that you're speaking that you are excited and you are passionate about what you get to do and you consider it an honor to get to know these people and to invest in them i mean the translators are saying okay enough already ria <laughs> any more questions here but you want to get to know the people and and that's so lovely of all the patients that you've gotten to know i'm sure there are many that have impacted you or you know left a mark on your heart can you tell us about one of those patients that has impacted you over the years? In, uh, most amazing stories I've actually seen in some of the patients that we weren't able to help with surgery and just the transformation oh. of just a confirm, uh, conversation and how they left the room um, or the difference of a prayer in that. But mm. I think um, just to kind of pick out one situation and I would very much encourage everybody just to, uh, definitely leave the ship if you have the opportunity and go visit people locally. Like yeah. it's, it's really very inspiring. Um, and I think on, on one of my travels, uh, this was in Madagascar. I was traveling around with some of my local friends and uh, on my way to, to visit uh, a midwife that was uh, working quite remotely. And we would meet her and just learn more about where she's working and her, the challenges she was facing specifically in relation to uh, obstetric fistula and that's mm -hmm. how I got to know her on the ship what I didn't know is that actually this lady would receive the patients after surgery back into her house and that it was kind of like the hub where their family members would pick up the patients again. So wow. I very unexpectedly met some of our previous fistula patients that had just traveled back. Uh, they were still dressed in their dress ceremony dresses. Oh, wow. Uh, had made it back to this location is about a one and a half, two day travel from the ship. Oh my goodness. And we had no idea that we would see each other there. So when we saw each other, there was a lot of screaming and <laughs> like all kinds of noises and craziness and just like the unexpected like of meeting like patients that I had seen on the ship two days away from wow. that location was was very special. And what followed mm. was just a whole evening in the local language in, in Malagasy and them sharing stories about the ship with the midwife. And because my friends were Malagasy and incredibly kind, they basically translated everything that these women were sharing. And because I was the only Faza, the only foreigner in the room, they really shared freely and uh, mm. were describing things in very interesting ways. Um, the way how they described the elevator on the ship that would help the patients to come from the wards to an upper level to be able to go outside and get some fresh air. And they would say every day they would put those in the box that would shake and then we would go into a different world. And just oh. for them to hear their like adventures basically on the on the ship and to hear how they felt they were treated by the nurses, how um, they were dealing with pain with with the medical care that they were receiving was 
incredible learning experience also yeah. um, in really helping me to understand also that just the, the rural places where some of the patients are coming from and uh, their uh, health literacy is is very different from mm. uh, patients I was used to work with and yeah. that it's very important to really don't necessarily like show everything we know, but um, have the ability to uh, translate everything that we know to a level that our patients are able to understand what we're going to do with them yeah. uh, when it comes to tests, to conversations, assessments, and to surgery. And that's why I, I really very much think, oh, it's, it's an experience I think that would be very important for, for so many on the ship, uh, just because I think it wasn't really till that moment and some moments um, I've had after that encounter that you really start learning about, yeah, where these patients are coming from, like growing up with electricity, with like a roof above my yeah. head, um, doors to close, stairs to go up and down, all these things, you don't realize how special it is and how scary it can even be to, to climb the stairs. If you right. never have to do it, it's, it's quite an experience. Sure. Um, especially if you know the gangways on our ships, um, they can even be intimidating <laughs> for some of our crew members. So, um, so no. I think that's just... Um, yeah, one of one of the many memories I have about our patients, and I love just I'm very much a learner, and I love how I can just learn from them so much. Yeah, and it's important I think for all of us to just to be really open to that, to what our patients, our caregivers, our local uh, workers, to what they have mm -hmm. to share and what they can teach us about life about yeah. their communities uh, about their culture and it will make your life richer oh my goodness what a gift to have that opportunity to sit in a room with all these women who have received surgery on board the ship and really get to get an inside ear into their conversation and their honest conversation about what they thought of everything that that's so rare I mean, what an absolute gift that was. And I'm I'm sure there was a lot of laughing. <laughs> I'm sure that there was, you know, just a lot of celebrating. And oh, that's that's very, very special. I love that. Well, Rhea, as we wrap up our time together, I, I feel like I could ask you a million questions. I know you have so many wonderful stories to share. But one unique thing about Mercy Ships, and really one unique thing also about this week, this is the week of Giving Tuesday. And, you know, a week where people pause to really be generous and to donate to various nonprofit organizations all over the world. And a unique thing about Mercy Ships is that our crew are volunteers. They pay to be there. There are a lot of opportunities for people to support Mercy Ships through prayer. Is As you've mentioned many times through our time talking, prayer is powerful. It transforms lives. It, it instills hope in people because our God is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. We would love for people to partner with us and pray for our crew, pray for our leadership, pray for our patients currently in Sierra Leone. Pray for these patients. People can partner with Mercy Ships by going and 
volunteering with us. There are opportunities that can be found at mercyships.org slash volunteer. We need all sorts of people in all you know, professions to come work on board, not just nurses and doctors, but also teachers and engineers and HR specialists, all, all sorts of things. But then there's another important aspect about partnering with Mercy Ships, and that is to give financially. Rhea, what would you say to people that are considering supporting Mercy Ships financially? Why, why would this be a, a worthy organization to give to? I think as Mercy Ships, we, we have something uh, unique to offer where, um, as I'm responsible for identifying patients, there is also the side of providing education and training to healthcare professionals. So mm-hmm. we really try to to operate basically in, in two different ways in not just relieving the burden before of patients that uh, cannot be helped with surgery or don't have access to surgery in the countries that we serve, but also yeah. at the same time to invest in, in the healthcare system that's in place there. And especially doing that in partnership with the Ministry of Health, I think it has a lot uh, of potential and there is a future there. Um, we mm-hmm. also engage not just for the year that the ship is in country, but we engage for five years or even beyond that as as trainers uh, as trainees will become trainers and that will Mm -hmm. the seats that are that are placed there they will just continue to grow and to multiply so I think it's 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 unique to do it um, to approach it from both those two angles and then also I think just um, having the opportunity to help finance the surgery and the logistics that are needed for that for patients that have not had the opportunity to access uh, safe uh, surgery in the last 10 years, 15 years that they've had a problem and therefore are unable to really be part of their community, really mm-hmm. uh, miss out on opportunities in life. And through a surgery with Mercy Ships, doors are opening. People are again or for the first time part of their communities and therefore um, also it's it's placing hope back in communities and um, it's encouraging people and I think that's what we all need need in our lives and through being able to go through very remote communities and communities that are near the port we're able to do that in multiple places so I think the complexity of our organization is hopefully encouraging to give because we're able to take care of complex problems um, with our partner and we're passionate and committed. I think that is, I mean, you've kind of hit the nail on the head that Mercy Ships leaves a lasting impact. It's not just the lives of those who receive surgery, but the education and the training that goes into the countries and the healthcare systems where we are serving. It goes for generations then, you know, to strengthen the healthcare systems. Um, then they're able to continue to provide more and more aid and care for their own people. And that is that is one of our goals and a, and a beautiful thing to support and to give to. So 
Ria, thank you so much for what you do. A very complex job in and of itself, but thank you for your heart of compassion, your heart of curiosity to learn um, not only about people, but about their cultures and to care for them. Ria, thank you for sharing with us today. We so appreciate you. Thank you so much, Ria. It's the week of Giving Tuesday, and we invite you to join the mission of Mercy Ships through prayer, coming to volunteer with us, or by donation. If you'd like to give to the mission of Mercy Ships, go to donate.mercyships.org. Next week, we have something very special to share. Throughout the month of December, we're telling patient stories to uplift you and encourage you through this holiday season. The miracles in these stories will make this a Christmas you'll never forget.